we've always had the thought of we want to open our analytics as an API for someone else to use and they could use other analytic products. I don't care. I mean, at the end of the day, if you have more tools like that, the market and the people win. And for me, I just want people to be using more newer technology apps or emerging apps yeah, across exactly. the buildings. We all win. Where's the intelligence part? Where's the analytics? It's in our cloud. It's all in our cloud. And to give some context, right? Because to be very open and transparent, we've invested $25 million in this company. Yeah. We have a, a cloud that isn't three servers up in an Amazon EC2 instance. We have a, a team of, of 20 devs that maintains our system and maintains our cloud. A lot of companies would probably be shocked at what our Amazon bill is, but we believe in this and we believe in building the right cloud infrastructure and the right tools to process the data and do it efficiently. You are listening to the Beyond Buildings podcast, where we talk to innovative leaders on how they create optimal value in a smart world context. We combine strategy and technology talk to absorb reality, embrace uncertainty, and to go from path dependency to path creation. It's smart cities, it's smart buildings, it's data strategies, it's construction, it's real estate and industry 4.0, and most of all, it's smart people. And remember, it's the data you don't have that will change your life. With your host, the future shaper, the ecosystem architect, Nicholas Wern. This episode is sponsored by Platform of Trust. I like Platform of Trust because it enables companies to create value from any type of data. Therefore, it saves time, money, and it's the perfect tool for companies who want to make data-driven decisions on data they can trust. They make it easy to collect, harmonize, and trust the data from different sources and basically any source that you want. And you don't need to hire 10 IT technicians or spend hundreds of thousands for a cloud platform because Platform of Trust can manage integrations and you'll see if something goes down in real time. Platform of Trust enables companies to take action based on the data that you can trust. Today, not tomorrow. This episode is one of the alpha podcast sessions for the Beyond Buildings podcast. I recorded this during the COVID coronavirus and I didn't have access to great tools or technology. But I wanted to record some of the great sessions I had when talking to interesting people in the smart city space. In this episode of the Beyond Buildings podcast, we talked to Chris Holiday and Chad Rutsch from Resolute Building Intelligence. We get to hear their amazing journey from the software side of things, venturing into the unknowns of building automation. We get to hear how they started, got going, and now succeeding in creating intelligent buildings. We talk about the three seashell strategy, layer cakes and AI and machine learning. I learned a lot in this episode, and it's interesting to see if this is the blueprint for the future for software companies learning real estate faster than existing companies can learn software. A phenomenal episode, thanks to Chris and Chad. And if you're using Niagara and want to get that extra bang for your buck, then Resolute Building Intelligence is definitely something for you. Go above and beyond with the Beyond Buildings podcast. My name is Chad Rook, currently holding the position of Director of Technical Communications for Resolute Building Intelligence. My background, though, is uh, all within the uh, building automation controls industry. So I've used the Tritium Niagara platform for pretty close to a decade now. Started yeah. at a small Honeywell ACI contractor and uh, you know, worked my way through just through experience and mentorship from many people within the likes of Honeywell and Brody Precision. And really my claim to fame is using the Niagara product through AX and N4 and integrating 
all types of different proprietary and open protocols, bringing in data and unifying it with the Tritium Niagara system. So my start in Resolute was as an integrator, and I was managing the uh, integration team there for about four years, and I've just started doing the technical communication role very recently. And in my role currently, what I'm trying to do is make sure that our product is well-documented. So we have our Resolute Health Center jam-packed full of product information, use cases, and the best and easiest way to effectively apply our analytics software with the proper steps and workflows. Nice. I didn't know that you did all that. (laughs) (laughs) For me, it's super interesting to talk to someone that has been using Niagara a lot. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about that. And also, before you talk, Chris, sorry about that. What you just said about having your product is jam-packed with a lot of information, uh, proper steps, all these kind of things. I think that, Chris, you need to give this guy a raise because that's phenomenal. Thank you. Thanks. I appreciate that. And honestly, it's not just me. Our entire team, we're composed of a development team and then an integration team and an energy engineering team. All of them, every single person in our company has contributed to that effort. So I can't take all the credit. But I've just conducted an inaugural training event at Cochrane Supply using that material. And uh, for the seven contractors that did attend, I believe that they learned a lot. They spoke to me about that and they said they learned a lot just about analytics and the application of it, how it is a valuable tool that can be applied to building automation systems. So, yeah, everybody's contributed. So I cannot take all the credit. So I thank the company for contributing. I'm just trying to make sure we keep it up to date and pertinent to different use cases. And as our features evolve and come out, make sure that they get updated accordingly. It's just time, right? I mean, that's what we're selling. So time to value creation, and this is a big component. So perfect. Okay, Chris, sorry about that. No, it's good. Um, so I'm Chris Holliday. I'm the CEO of Resolute. My background is all software. So I've been a software developer, architect, CTO, chief product officer. Pretty much I've been involved in every facet of building and developing software since the early 2000s, beginning with some of the first apps I ever wrote were some of the first mobile apps for iPhone when it first came out, you know, 2006, 2007. I've always worked for big software companies. And as that kind of my career moved and the technology changed, I started working uh, at a place called CompuWare in Michigan. And we did a lot of big data analysis. We did a lot of uh, anomaly detection. And really, we were monitoring performance of software applications. So you would use our product to see if you're Trek Bicycles and you have a website, are you instrumenting that website to know that it's running as fast as possible? And then that was during kind of the boom of everyone started realizing probably after 2011 that if I could get a page to load half a second quicker and I'm a big brand like Trek Bicycles and someone could build their virtual bicycle, whatever, three seconds quicker, that actually led to more people buying the bicycle. And so there was value in that. And so it was all this, how do you get all this data? And we actually, there was a team within CompuWare that built this massive data analytics platform that essentially built the anomaly of the entire backbone of the internet for the Western side of the United States. And it started predicting Twitter outages before they even happened back when the Twitter whale was like a major, major thing. You know, all newspapers went nuts when it went down and blah, blah, blah. And so when our founder at CompuWare, Peter Kermanos, we created Resolute basically thinking, look, we, we're a bunch of data science guys. We have a bunch of devs that have experience in this unique space. Why can't we use our analytics and our framework to solve multiple problems? So we went after uh, things in the medical space. We went after things in the mortgage space, in the car buying space, all these other things. And then, you know, Resolute came out of 
you know, let's do something for buildings. And what we found really quickly was we're really, really good at software, but we know almost nothing about buildings, right? And we know nothing about integration of buildings. And we know nothing about what to do with that data when you actually then have it. And so very quickly, we started hiring, you know, system integrators like Chad, who knew the ins and outs of how do you get data out and the complexities of that and all the different types of data and types of machines and configurations of buildings. It's like going back 20 years sometimes from technology. Then we start producing our analytics engine and then it became, well, what do you do with the data? So we have an entire team of energy engineers that have background in mechanical engineering or electrical engineering or MNV or just build spec. And you would put the data in front of these guys and say, all right, help us write the rules, help us write the root cause, help us figure out like, if you had this data as an engineer, what are you gonna tell me about my building? And then we would try to figure out the way for the computer to do that. And it's this kind of ebb and flow evolution to build what we consider is going to be kind of, you know, the, the big branded analytics engine, right? From a data science perspective, this is really what we talk about when anyone talks about AI or machine learning or whatever. This is how the real world works in those systems. Kind of this cake layer where the bottom cake you see there, that silver cake, is fault detection and diagnostics. In our world, my world, we call that anomaly detection. You need to figure out all of the binary anomalies that you can possibly think, anything that's out of bounds. And they can be kind of complex or they can just be as simple as this thing's not supposed to be on and it's on. But if you can get millions or billions or trillions of those data points, the better that your second root cause, that orange cake, can sit. Because all AI is pattern recognition. It's looking at how can I tell all the things that are wrong in a building? Let's just put it in perspective of building. When I find all those things that are wrong, can I correlate them up to things that are actionable, right? Root causes. I know that if these subset of things are wrong, it's got to be that this is probably the reason why. Now, if that orange cake layer gets really, really smart, then and only then can you accurately, statistically, mathematically, accurately predict those patterns. And some of these tiers take years. Some of them take months. It just depends on the what you're applying analytics to or you're applying a framework like this to. And then, of course, if you can predict those root causes because you have enough inputs, outputs, it actually is very trivial to say, well, I know that this is going to happen with a degree of certainty, right? Statistically, the system says it's 68.7%. This is your problem. Well, then I could probably turn that off ahead of time. And now you get into the, oh, my God, it's AI and automated control. The cake layers as they get up are actually much easier. That base layer is the hardest thing to do. When do you know that you've covered that base of anomalies? enough to even begin to root cause them. And are your root causes, right? Those two cake layers could take a decade to build, right? I usually use AI machine learning in all of my posts. So it's actually twofold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's twofold. I, I'm, because I agree with you, but I disagree to some extent as well. But anyway, so for this one, I agree 100%. And I think one addition, or I don't know if you have it, or just a thought to make it even more illustrative, I guess is an English word. If something goes wrong, if you're building a cake today, or if you're building a cake tomorrow or yesterday or whatever, if you get the bottom wrong, right? Yeah. What's going to happen with the cake? Even if it's like a slight light shift and tilting in some way, shape, or form, it's going to crash. I mean, that's the whole point, right? So I think like that's going back to the AR, AML stuff that it can solve basically everything. It all depends on the quality of the data, where you're getting it from, and all these kind of things, because otherwise you're running thousand steps in the wrong direction, or the cake is, is going to crash at some point. It's not going to be a cake anymore. Again, like getting that stuff to 100% is really, really important. So I definitely agree with everything that you're saying. But so like this guy who's working for a big consultancy firm here in Sweden, he said like, 
what about AI? So this is what we have like a three hour session talking about the future of the education, all this kind of stuff. And he just said that. I mean, we haven't mentioned AI one time during this conversation. I don't really like that because again, like it's such a weird thing to say. But at the same time, if you're not using like modern tools or even thinking about it and approaching like all of your problems with AI or what kind of tool can I use to make this process better? It doesn't matter if it's sales, if it's how you make decision making or whatever it is, like you're not using the most modern tools for everything that you do. You're definitely going to be left behind because there are companies starting today that are doing it, not only with data coming from buildings, but they have a sales process. They have everything in more like in a digital way, right? So it does make sense if you have an AI strategy that is corporate wide, but at the same time, I hate it the way you are selling their solutions with like AI infused machine learning, blah, blah, blah. What the hell is that? It's probably basically nothing anyway. So that's my point, but I really like this picture actually. So uh, That's something that we find, right? So we're trying to harp on data integrity. See, the reality is that your real machine learning tools you have, whether it's a Bayesian graph or whatever tool you want to use in the toolbox that you're saying, look, we're using machine learning. You can use that to do auto tagging. You can use that to do other patterns and finding. What no one wants to talk about is that everyone should be using machine learning to make sure that the data coming out of the building is accurate, but that's not sexy. That's not the machine learning that's going to automatically tag your entire building because it's a farce. <laughs> Right? Yeah, of course, yeah. It's a broken industry in so many ways. That's what I believe, right? I definitely agree. I like to say it's a challenge. Look, coming from where I come from, I built data analytics software platforms and all these frameworks we've done before. We worked in known industries. Imagine we built this exact same cake for performance managing of applications, right? We would basically be monitoring servers and HTTP packets between servers. That is such a finite, defined data structure. No matter what brand of server, no matter what server in the world, the way HTTP works, it works exactly the same between those systems. So how much easier is it for me to build a system in which all the data I get is 100% exactly the same and you can trust it? That's a protocol that's been in place for 50 years and never changed and, and is yeah, the yeah, same absolutely. across the board. You get into a building that was built 10 years ago and coming as an outsider with me and Chad, it's like, I look at them and I'm just like, this is why you look like you're 45 and you're 26, right? It's uh, a, <laughs> are you talking about me or this is, uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't shaved in a while. So maybe yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just kidding. And it is a very challenging industry to be in, no doubt, but that's what keeps it interesting for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think like when I started this five years ago, six years ago, I thought it was super easy. I mean, I thought it was innovative. And then I go back. I always love saying this. I'm going to say it's probably until I die. But I thought I was like a new thinker. I had my ideas. Why hasn't everyone thought about this before? And then I'm a contributor for automatedbuildings.com, which is like the tome of information for everything that has happened the last 20 years in building automation. What are you, Ken Sinclair, huh? Yeah, yeah, Ken Sinclair. I mean, I love that. He's amazing. He's helped me so much in the industry. I can't even describe it. Again, like I thought I had this all ideas, so like AI, machine learning, cognitive buildings, whatever. And then I go back and read like 20-year-old articles on automatedbuildings.com. It's like, quote unquote, exactly what I'm writing today. Yeah. Like 100%. So it's not that no one has tried to do it or wanted to do it. Again, like Mike Newman, the father of BackNet, he bashed a lot uh, on the, like the existing industry 20 years ago. So like, why don't you want to change? 
open quality data and all these kind of things. And I know one of the biggest complaints with Backnet is, of course, like the different variations you were in on it as well, right? So trusting the data, is that of an importance for you because you're working with analytics? Is that correct? Yeah, that's something that we actually focus on as much as we focus on the results of the analytics. Because if I can't make it easy and quick for you to apply the tags to apply the rules, and then I don't make it easy for you to identify when things aren't running like they should, at the end of the day, when you get the results of a system that we have, we want you to believe in the results and believe in the data. All it takes is one time for me to show you something that you're like, uh, it's not really what what's wrong. You won't believe anything else that we tell you, right? And it's a slippery slope and you have to kind of build that trust. Well, why is the time is now? I think technology and the sensors and something like Niagara kind of really opening up makes it more easier now to get data out of buildings. And now what everyone was talking about for 20 years in the building world, they're completely right. But now it kind of is the marriage of the number of sensors. Where's the one I have here where it's like... uh what is the use of smart technology, right? If you pick up a toy, you're more likely going to see that that toy has some sort of a chipset in it rather than buildings, right? It's kind of that evolution of, but they're getting better. And so the quicker that they get to that, you know, maybe all the way to the top of being as smart as a phone, we won't be talking about how easy it is to get or how we're better to get data out. Data will just be available. And then you'll live in this world of, okay, now you just got to do something with it. But what's funny is like, is AI a revolution or is it an evolution? The thing is, is that too many people, again, I, I harp on our marketing team because it's a love-hate relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Saying that you're going to just come into this space, you're going to have artificial intelligence and machine learning, and it's going to just take care of everything and go. That's a revolution. That's a Band-Aid ripped off solution. And there might be aspects of that that can happen and can be solved. But just looking at history and looking at the adaption and adoption of technology, you know, mm -hmm. that's really not the case. So there's so many things that will change, obviously. And I think like a lot of the stuff that we're taking for granted now is going to be really crazy that we've done it for so long and that we didn't change fast enough. So I agree 100%. In the history of technology, it's always been a human problem. There was something that I disagree with you yeah. quite a lot, I think. Chad, you know about passive logic, right? And maybe you know about it as well, Chris. Yes. Yeah, I'm familiar with passive logic. Yep. So I talked about them, and I know Ken talked about them, and they're getting interviewed by James Dice, who's got a brilliant newsletter in Nexus, about sort of like this kind of thing, right? So I agree, again, like on the high level, that it's everything is not really a revolution. It depends. It's more or less of an evolution. But I think like if you compare it to passive logic, what they're doing is that utilizing AI, machine learning, and processing power in new technology, and they have like a hardware software coupled with intelligence, and that's where they do it, like edge intelligence, more than just pushing data to the cloud, computing power, taking it down, all these kind of things. So where does your logic lie? Is it edge or is it cloud or what oh, yeah. does so, intelligence look like in terms yeah, of and, intelligence? Yeah. And so talking more about kind of our product and where we fit, one of my biggest things I always make sure I lead with and, and yell at the marketing and sales as well is you can't be everything. If analytics is the ocean, right, you can't go boil the ocean. If analytics is the alphabet, you got to pick and choose. And so I believe there are applications that edge computing completely win. Exactly, because uh, like a whole smart city is going to turn down in seconds if the whole infrastructure goes down. So everything has to be in the building and that has to communicate on a totally separate network. So even if 5G is great for some of the things, 
and you could potentially do it like with 5G or 6G or whatever it's going to be in the future to have everything connected. The resiliency is not there, not in the entire network, and especially not on a country infrastructure-wide something. Maybe if you get 5G to satellite or something, that might actually be. Yeah, and you have to look at the whole market and kind of the whole picture, right? So if you have one hand, you have really good analytics apps out there that are just bare bones tools, right? Where you can write your own rules, you can do your own reports. You basically are free run to do whatever you want. And they're great applications for that. And who's the user? In that case, the user is going to be your integrators, right? Who are using it to provide value to their building owner, to generate money for them, right? On the other hand, far other side, you have analytics applications and companies that do full scale. If they knew the horsepower of every VAV box, the fan size, how high is it in the ceiling? Is it facing east or west? What's the inlet diameter versus the outlet diameter? If you have 4,000 data points on every VAV box and you give me six months, I could come up with a pretty unbelievable data set, right? And there are companies that do that and it's really, really good but it's expensive and it just takes a lot of time, right? You're not gonna get that in an hour. You're not gonna configure that system in an hour. So I think that there's a market for that. This, exactly this, so you're actually selling a little bit of their solution. So I'm really interested more in where you sit. Uh, yeah, you gotta yeah. know the other sides of the market because I think no one really defines this market. Like no one can even articulate that very well now. Um, so we sit right in the middle, right? I'm not trying to boil the ocean. I'm not trying to say I'm gonna solve every problem in the building, but if the pricing and the time to value is what you're looking for, and really what we're selling to is to system integrators, people who service the buildings, the building owner gets value out of the results of this, but it's really a tool for those people to be doing work and, and optimizing a building. So what we've done is we've leveraged a library of rules in all those scenarios I just talked about, time to configure analytics in a building. For us, it can take an hour or two. For others, it can take six months. Right? just depending on what you're trying to do. Now, the results are totally different things you're trying to get out of the building. But again, that's something we've kind of put a stake in the ground and saying, we're making this so that you can connect on top of Niagara, figure your rules, configure the root cause and get the results and the reports out you know, within a half a day. And that's time to value. Now, are we boiling the ocean? Absolutely not. But what we think we're doing is giving you, you know, 60, 70% of what's wrong with the building, which now you can have actions to go do. And it took you four hours and it cost $3,000. There's solutions that are better, but it's a value versus time versus what tool you want to use. And what I'm hoping happens in this market is that those three kind of areas I just talked about, the tools that are the bare bones, go build your own adventure and, and you can do amazing things with, or the tools that are the full on, look, we're going to measure body temperature of people walking through. And then where we maybe sit in the middle, I think all three markets haven't even scratched the surface of penetrating buildings, right? How many buildings do you know actually have any kind of systems like that on? I think like that's my whole approach, understanding like different company solutions, putting that together in a bundle that actually makes sense, that solves, if not all the problems, at least like 95% of the problems. Because the companies that yeah, can solve everything, and then you have to own an airport or uh like five factories or whatever, right? And they're absolutely fantastic, expensive, but really, really great. Uh, those cater to the top end. And then there's something like home automation stuff, which is also pretty good, even though there's a lot of thousand cuts problems because they don't talk to each other. And then there's a hole in the middle where you sit, where there's a lot of different solutions I would expect that do really, really well. 
But I think like their ecosystem approach or the bundle approach is not really there yet. And I think like that's part because there are a few companies that do it as well as you are, where you're, you're like, this is exactly where we're going to start. This is exactly what we're going to stop. And then going back to Chad's amazing abilities, uh, having the documentation in place and saying, okay, this is for our customer. Understand where who your customer is. And it also may be, which goes back to what we're talking about right now, who are the decision makers? And again, like, okay, you're providing information and turning data into information, trustable information for someone else, probably the decision makers or the owners, right? Again, understanding the whole landscape is what I'm trying to do. And again, like figuring out where you sit in comparison to other products. Just a question, uh, Niagara, is that the only tool that you're working with? Let's say I have a building with a couple of different systems. I'm not using Niagara. I Maybe I don't want to use it. You have to use it as the backbone for everything decision-making that you make, or how does it work? Uh, no. So we have other gateway manufacturers we've been working with. KMC has a product called Commander. We have a connector for. We're hoping that everyone starts opening up their data easier to get at it, uh, but we're not in the gateway game. Our kind of mantra is, right now, I don't want to tell you that, that you have to put another piece of hardware in just to get data. I think that's a waste. I would rather sell you on the idea of why aren't you using Niagara? We're fanboys of it in the fact that if you just told me a scenario where you have four different systems, you have two Siemens systems and a train system or, or whatever mashup you have, and those guys are all going to try to sell you the one pane of glass. Niagara, you're not bound by those guys anymore. If you have Niagara as your primarily your front end for your building, you've taken the handcuffs off and opened yourself that you can choose any other system underneath that to work. Right. If you love Johnson, you could put Explorer in. You could put other things. The other thing that I always point out is the fact that, you know, obviously Honeywell owning uh, Tritium, but, you know, Honeywell, Johnson, Distech, all these other companies are coming out with products that have Niagara baked in. That just also shows you there's an open solution that was made back to your 15, 20 years ago. Guys had this idea. Why can't we all just talk from the same operating system? In terms of open, I mean, there are different, of course, uh, definitions of what open means, open source, open where, and uh, all of these kind of things, right? So even if it's got open APIs, I guess, and it merges and harmonizes data or got drivers for different controllers and purposes to sort of like make it more open API-wise from the top, in terms of like vendor lock-in or uh, what do you call like uh, recurring revenue from Niagara? Because again, like I don't know everything about Niagara, the stuff that I've heard is more, okay, you're locked into it, yeah. it's expensive to some extent. The solutions that you might have at the top are a bit clunky, points as well, if they don't have a driver. I mean, all these kind of things. I think like what they've done, which I love, and which I also tell a lot of my well, customers and the people I talk to, is that they made the world work for them in terms of like they have like local communities creating drivers that they then expose to the global ecosystem. And that makes it more like a unified tool for everything that it's well underneath as well as from the top. So I understand where you're coming from. But again, like looking at your website, which we're looking at right now, it's a lot of Niagara. But you're saying that resolute building intelligence, if let's say I have a building that is not dependent on Niagara, but I have like quality data, haystack tag, brick scheme, or whatever it is, that makes it possible so I can trust the information beneath, and I only got one API, your solution can then come out on top or actually in the middle 
to, to make sense of that and blah, 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 create reports and all these kind of things. Is that correct? Or yeah, It can, but I mean, the reality is that there's too many security issues and a lot of technical debt. Obviously, our cloud could get data anyway. We could get data from any API that's out there. We could do a cloud to cloud. We have that ability, right? We just have to write the connector for it. Uh, today, when you talk about a building that is closed and doesn't have anything, your most secure and best bet for us is to have Niagara. And honestly, if they, maybe if that's not a fit, then, then maybe we're not a fit, right? And it's okay. I think going back to talking about Niagara a little bit is Niagara isn't this open, open, open source kind of thing. Like I think of open, right? From a software perspective, but I'll tell you, whoever you're referencing is less open than Niagara. Niagara compared to a Siemens or a train or even Johnson Metasys, Niagara is going to look like it's open source. But then again, like you're looking at it from within the industry, right? So I understand like Tritium or Niagara, they're doing great. But again, like if you go back then a step with, with your, like from a software developer point of view or from the IT industry or whatever, yeah, it's right? Not, it's not open. That, that's what I mean. And I think like yeah. again, speaking on a high level, I think it's more that tech companies or IT companies are going to learn real estate, which is basically what you've done as well, I guess. You're coming from the software side, learning real estate and technology, and then, okay, what is the best in the market? Yeah, okay, it's in the Niagara because that gives us data. Does it open up the industry? I would say no, not really. So again, like one of the pictures that I've had done well on LinkedIn, and I got a lot of like asks for both in terms of consultancy and what, whatever, is like the future of the building automation. If you look in the in the first bracket, there's like all these legacy systems where they have like old technology, really close, is like, like the worst, all the cases that you have. Come onto a building, it's not intelligence or it doesn't have like the affinity for any intelligence. And then, okay, your is then, okay, get in with the Agra and then you can do a lot of things on top of it. Fair enough. And that's maybe like in the middle then where you have like open-ish technologies, you have a little bit of edge intelligence, maybe all of these kind of things. But if you look at the third bracket, or the third level, it's like everything, if you're looking from the building perspective, it's like one API to the building. So it's like the hardware is totally separated from the software. I think that's the dream everyone hopes for, but I will ask you this. Yeah. If you have amazing, you know, plug and play AI, you drop this thing in and it tells you everything wrong with the building, how are you doing those actions? And I think maybe it's because we're kind of really, really close to the guys working, doing the work in the building, I guess. Or the girls, I guess. Girls, I'm sorry. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Actually, if more women did more system integration and servicing, we'd be out of business because the buildings would actually run properly. properly more <laughs> I think so as well. Um, okay. So what you're saying is that how would they go about and like changing yeah, the building? Change. I mean, if, yeah. If I have this analytic that revolutionizes a building and says, if you put this sequence in, it's going to change your building's life. The next thing you're going to have to do is go, where do I do this? Oh, you have to go into your, and then name your BAS system. You still are relying. That's, yep. That's a good example, Chris. I mean, basically Niagara is a powerful integration platform. You know, you're integrating all of these different systems so you can have a centralized view, unifying all of them and conducting graphics and control to them. So I guess what you're alluding to, Chris, if you have, let's say, just two different BA systems and they're open and you're getting analytic results, now you have to take yourself and direct yourself to the Johnson Medicine system and then go apply the changes. Or you have to go to the train ES front end and then apply the changes. So you're not really looking at one central thing, making yourself more productive and efficient. Oh, but I mean, I think that's when you have like the intelligence or the software tools coupled to the hardware. You have like two different solutions. What I'm talking more about, again, like a separation of the hardware and the software. 
Going back to either the cake problem, so the ultimate goal is, of course, to have like cognitive buildings or self-driving buildings or whatever you want to call it. And that sort of like negates the purpose of what you're saying. What are they going to use? It's like the building is going to run itself for like 99% of the time anyway. But if a building's going to run itself, let's talk about the evolution, right? Because I still believe like it's not a revolution. The only way that's ever going to work in the next 15 or 20 years is that the software you build has to then at the end of the day, even if it does AI, it's going to do so through a building automation system today. I mean, unless you rip and replace all of that, you're not going to get yeah, away yeah, from it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, like if you're looking at, okay, let's say just the building is a hardware right now. So I'm more and more and more interested in new construction. So an interesting use case coming in uh, right now, actually I have to sign the NDA, but my printer broke and I can't go to the office. So I have to figure <laughs> something out. But hotels, new construction, they own parts of the factory. They come into the prefabrication space. And again, like they want to build a digital twin from scratch. And because they want to build smart from the start, because that means that, Okay, so like the building operates itself, right? How does it do that? That's your question. I mean, is it going to be like JSON code or you're going to have to do JavaScript or whatever? No, of course not. I mean, it's just like to have like the openness so that you do it from the top. One of the biggest problems today in the industry or like in the complete life cycle of buildings is that when you build a building, and I know this for a fact even in the US, because this came as a question one of like the open talks at Ashray a couple of years ago, is that the building automation guys and girls do the control strategy for the buildings. They're always last to the show. Yes. Yeah. So they're always last to the show. So like before handing over the keys, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We gotta so like set up the, the control strategy for the building. And then it's always like best of times it's one a complete end-to-end vertical, even that's, again, like huge lock-in and all these kind of things. But at the same time, it could be a little bit of mix and match. And then here, I think, like, is where you can come in. Okay, let's use Resolute Building Intelligence and let's use Niagara to put it in. And then we can quickly configure it, set our control strategies, get the analytics out, all these kind of things, and make it more future-proof. What I'm talking about is more, okay, you have, like, the hardware, which is open and all these kind of things, and that's connected via Modbus IP or MBUS or... It doesn't really matter. You just have hardware that talks without like having software hardware coupling with Schneider, Siemens, or the ones you mentioned, Chad. It's just like hardware. It's smart computers. It doesn't have to be Raspberry Pi. It could be more industrial grade like uh, IMX line or Dell IoT or Kodi TV or whatever. It doesn't really matter. It's just hardware. And then when you go in as a building automation person, you say, okay, let's use a BMS or BAS system from the top and install it in the building. That's where you do all of this. That's how it should be, not because of the vendor. The vendor is going to come more on top. It's just going to be a decoupling of hardware and software. So of course, you're going to have like a BMS system or BAS system, whatever it is, but it's going to come from a different place. That is one thing. And the other thing, once you build smart from start, is you don't need that many people to do it. You don't need like three persons on site. You can do everything remotely, which is, of course, great in this day and age, right? (laughs) Because you can't even visit the building. And I've been doing this for like a couple of years, like really, really focusing on how to solve this, not within an industry point of view and doing the best of the tools that exist in the industry. Because fair enough, then maybe Tritium, Niagara or contemporary controls are really phenomenal using Sedona as an open source tool as well to do all this kind of thing. But I think it's more, again, like coming from the other side. So looking at, okay, how are Netflix building their infrastructure? Yeah. Or how are like Industry 4.0 perspective, how are they solving this? Because they've solved this, well, some of it at least, years ago. Or is smart city integrations, how is that going to work? Linking up the problems for real estate owners, like vendor locking is a huge problem. 
or it's a huge cost at least that's recurring. And sometimes you have to have like pay for updates. You can't, you're locked into whatever you're using basically forever. That's a huge, huge thing that works not in favor of the industry. Again, like the third step is like raising digital maturity as in AI, machine learning, modern technologies, modern tools in the building, right? As well as raising industry openness. So that the freedom of choice is going to be there, not only tomorrow, but for the next 15 years. Because for me, it all breaks down to it. Of course, going back to, yeah, okay, maybe you think the same way then. Okay, let's agree on that without you actually having the chance to answer. That it's going to be more open, it's going to be more this. Are the products there yet? And that's a question that I get. And I say, like, maybe I knew like five products or software suites that can come in from the top can sit on vendor agnostic hardware and become that sort of like intelligence in the building, both in the cloud as well as on the edge. But there are a few out there, definitely. But I think that's where the industry is coming. And that's the only advice I'm giving to my customers and my clients. Okay, this is where the industry is heading. But then going back to like the mid bracket, okay, you have like hardware and software tightly coupled and basically the Apple approach. It's not open. Of course, it's not open. And it was even less open like 10 years ago. Yeah. What it does is that it works. It's phenomenal. It works. And it's easy to integrate stuff within that ecosystem. And I think like going back to what are we actually looking for here? We want a building that is robust. We want it to be useful. We want it to be attractive, right? So the three things. And good for the tenants and all of these kind of things. So maybe the Resolute Niagara isn't that bad in the sense of it does the job and it does it really well. And it's faster time to value creation. You get trustable data. You can run analytics on top of it or whatever. But at the same time, it's not optimal in the sense of freedom of choice, modularity, and taking the industry, in my perspective, at least where it needs to be. I think like I got a pretty good feel of what you're doing and where you are. And that's fantastic because usually it takes longer <laughs> to, to understand that part. But again, like I think there's a huge difference between what is open in terms of industry open and yeah, what has open APIs uh, versus not any open APIs. For sure. And I think you're, you're kind of really spot on. on and I'd love to, to hear more people talk like this where when you're talking about how can we make this look in five or 10 years for a brand new building because you are in control of all that and you can do it right finally, right? And that is extremely important. And that's what drives innovation. That's how innovation works, right? That's why they have concept vehicles, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we kind of teeter on, we can talk a little bit on that, but the product we built is more around, you know, there's in the United States, there's 6 million buildings that are built, right? And they were built yeah. 50 years ago. And even if they were built five years ago and they were lead energy, master star efficient, and they got their glass uh, crystal vase that they put in the lobby and they're like, we're as efficient yeah, as possible. Yeah, yeah. We all know. Everyone, everyone hates to build the anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. we know that in two years, three months, whatever the time, two days, yeah. that building is nowhere near efficient in the United States and across the world. People are finally getting more conscious savvy on the fact that buildings statistically are burning 30% more energy than they should. We could talk about alternative energy. That goes back to the broken industry. If you're creating a building today, which you know is not going to be near where it is when you build it, why the hell aren't you building it correctly from the first time? <laughs> yeah. Is that because of the solutions that are offered to you because in the industry? Yeah, probably. 
or Probably. is it something else? I mean, there's a lot of different things here at play. And I think that's sort of like my goal has been to solve these problems. And I actually think I have solved these problems. And I love what you said here. I mean, it's a concept R that I'm pushing through the market. I have like three or four different proposals out right now with both for new builds as well as for existing re retrofits, where there is a combination. So maybe you're using distic controls, right? Using distic, I love their products or I've heard good things about their products at least. And you're using this futuristic software suite that's not tied to any actual hardware, but you're using like a backnet base anyway. And again, like getting into the building in one year or two years, the most important thing is not really if you're using Haystack or Brick or whatever it is, is that you're using something. So yeah. that you can give a clear cut yeah. answer, okay, how, what is the data quality? How do you find that? And how is the data tagged? It doesn't really matter if it's Mickey Mouse tagging. It's just that it's something that you can have an answer to and that the data that you're accessing is quality data, that you can trust the data. And there's also like a company that I'm partnering up with or they're talking to just this morning. So that's why I love what you said before about trust is that you have to be able to trust it. Otherwise, what can you do? So they actually have a built-in trust metric based on like 16 different metrics. So they can say, okay, with like a 9, 10 integer, they can say, okay, now you can do all your fault detections or your automated building stuff on top of that, that's fine. If it's below eight, then yeah, you should probably look into these data sources because there's something fishy about it, or it might be based on like PDF files written 10 years ago, or it might be based on something like sensors that doesn't work someplace, all of these kind of things specifically for the built environment. Again, like looking at the bundle approach, if you're just waiting for Schneider or Siemens or the ones who come up with this, you're going to wait forever because their whole idea is to lock you into whatever solution that they have forever. Then we're going to come up with this kind of thing. Even if they have open APIs, it's still going to be like a software tool that is going to lock you or someone else into their solutions forever. I think I understand what you have and I'd really, really like it. If you go to the overall extent, what do we want to do? We want to create more energy efficient buildings. We want to create buildings that are better for the tenants. We want to create this as fast as possible without or like as much hassle. Then this is a great solution working with tested, great products that are fit for the building automation industry. It's not the three shells that we're talking about. Yeah. I think it's a great offering. Is that sort of like a correct assessment? It, maybe it's harsh, but is that a correct so, assessment? Yeah, it is. I think you're really spot on. I mean, I love the fact that you said Distech because Distech is just Niagara. And I think where we try to play is more when you get into the weeds of actually using our product, we yes. don't want to have to add more infrastructure to a building to get data out, right? So yeah. Yeah. example where if you have a Distech front end and you're already using that to solve a BAS issue, right? So you have a better tool to really run your building, we leverage that Niagara so that we can make a secure connection and a way to get the data out with as yeah. little touch as possible. And back to your thing on, on tagging, I couldn't agree more. I have a whole soapbox thing around Haystack tags. So all the tags we do in our backend, we use Haystack, right? Because yeah. I want people to use them. The one problem I do call out is Haystack tags are great. It's like the alphabet, right? So I have all these letters I can put on different ways, but Chad likes to call a zone temperature zone temperature, right? Uh, I call it zone temperature air sensor. But now we're not talking about the same thing. So the dream of everyone connecting these tagged buildings together, it becomes less of a reality. Uh, but it's just even if someone's tagging, it's at least a step towards what you're talking about. What Where do we really want to see the industry go? And people are going to have to start using those technologies or putting them into the building to at least giving us a chance 
to get to where you want to go, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I just had a question in terms of security, because that's something that seldom talked about. So one thing is, of course, security in and out of the building. But in terms of the network, I mean, we all know that backend is super open, and that's the intent, of course. Do you have like a bundle or like a partner play where you come in with other solutions or other products or other company solutions in order to sort of like make it better for the owner or for the actual system as well? Or is that sort of like up to the system integrate buying your solutions where they have to think about it? Or do you advise them on anything in terms of security? Yeah, we usually advise. So for the Niagara pieces, we do a kind of a quick open VPN connection to the supervisor. That's our preferred method so that we run everything inside a VPN between the building and our cloud. Yeah, I mean, not really the cloud, but more as in the network infrastructure, so to say. So even if like your communication from the cloud is secure, right? If someone comes in into the building and if you say you have like interoperability through backnet or whatever, someone could probably get in, get the data out. And if not set up correctly, they could also, I mean, create new set points and corrupt the data or whatever, right? So like the network infrastructure, do you have something or maybe you don't see that as a problem? I don't know. No, I think it's more about educating the end user. So again, if our users are more integrators or people who have service contracts for buildings, from where we're getting the data out, we already usually find, you know, when they make the connection, because the way they have to connect to us, that helps them maybe think about some of their their security of what they're doing. There's some customers where we've done inner network kind of security surveys, if you will, uh, just to kind of make sure that they are separating, you know, their BAS networks from their regular networks. We follow a SOC 2 protocol every year to get audited to make sure that we're held to a level, a standard of how secure is our data and then how secure is our connection. Because again, you're building walls up on a castle and you're trying to keep as many moats and things in the way of of a potential threat and ensuring to shore that up. That's one of the the issues is because we have worked on a lot of different research and development products on, okay, how else can we get data out? We could get it straight from BACnet. That's a great thing. The security implications are tremendous, right? I don't feel comfortable. Even in the ways we did it semi-securely, it still didn't make me feel good, right? The beauty is that it's open. The horrible nightmares uh, (laughs) is that it's super open. open. (laughs) Especially for hospitals, I would say. Like you can go in and change set points in operation rooms or whatever. So that's why I always advise on a bundle play. Again, like there's no one company that does everything, but they're with together a lot of companies that work with the defined solution with open APIs or in an interoperable way. You can actually solve a lot of the things today, right? I think that's where we need to go as an industry. We've always had the thought of, we want to open our analytics as an API for someone else to use. And they could use other analytic products. I don't care. I mean, at the end of the day, if you have more tools like that, the market and the people win. And for me, I just want people to be using more newer technology apps or emerging apps yeah, yeah, across exactly. the buildings. We all win. Where's the intelligence part? Where's the analytics? It's all in our cloud. It's all in our cloud. And to give some context, right? Because to be very open and transparent, we've invested $25 million in this company. Yeah. We have a, a cloud that isn't three servers up in an Amazon EC2 instance. We have a, a team of, of 20 devs that maintains our system and maintains our cloud. A lot of companies would probably be shocked at what our Amazon bill is, but we believe in this and we believe in building the right cloud infrastructure and the right tools to process the data and do it efficiently. And talking about what you drop in on top of, so the way we get data out of Niagara is through the NHaystack module. We're hoping talking to Niagara is going to be part of a future release of Niagara. 
So right now it is a pure open source module supported by Project Haystack that you can install. That is supposed to be baked into the core of Niagara at some point. Um, we were hoping it was 4.9, but you know we'll still wait. It's that point of for us where we play, and again, it doesn't have to be for everybody, but where we play is how quickly can you get something without having to add extra stuff or add extra things, yeah, exactly. get, yeah. you know, get the data and then see what our app is. And it's not really bi-directional, is it? It's more like... Uh, it be, but we choose not to be right now. So that connection through yeah. Haystack can be bi-directional, but we only pull yeah. the data through the VPN. Okay, I understand exactly what you're doing now. You have like a unified platform to, to do these kind of things. And if you want to move more than towards like doing the bi-directional capabilities and actually creating like a super smart building that works like a self-driving building. Yep. Because now you're providing quality information to take data-driven decision-making in a really fast manner based on existing infrastructure. I question them just wireless in terms of augmenting like buildings that are running dry on data. Is that something that you're working with or is that also up to the partner? It's up to the partner. And I'll say that right now, a lot of wireless, you're going to have less data integrity right now until that wireless really gets to Yeah, like it depends. I, I agree for the most part, if you're looking at the industry solutions that has been used within the industry and like taking home automation stuff that doesn't scale or Zigbee mesh or all this kind of stuff that works for maybe one building or something, right? But then after a while, you see that it's, it, does, it breaks or the sensor doesn't do that or this package is colliding, whatever, right? If you're looking at the concept of everything, that's sort of like the only companies that I'm talking to or proposing to customers that are like the 100% companies that are fit for to actually disrupt the whole market. That's what I would like to do. Evolution towards revolution, I guess, because it has to be companies like yours that actually know what they're doing and not only like the IT startups that are getting millions to solve something that doesn't work in an industry because they don't understand the industry. So that's probably where you were in the beginning as well as am I, as I was like, oh, we'll just take some modern technology and get it in there, right? It, it doesn't really work. <laughs> because I think that a lot of solutions and companies that I'm talking to, working with, that sort of like can help you as well as the industry move forward to that sort of like the top level, both like being able to trust the data, scalable data, quality data, and in an open way. So it gives you the decision at least to not maybe only work with Niagara, just having like, okay, the data that we're gonna get from whatever technology is still gonna be as good as it was before. We can still integrate with a lot of different things. We can still trust the data and we can create these bi-directional buildings, the cognitive buildings, all of these kind of things. So I think like I have a lot of solutions that today work just in the cloud just is great because you have the knowledge and you're acquiring the knowledge every day, right? Not yeah. only in terms of the knowledge from the buildings, but also, again, like going back to Chad's work with understanding how companies or how people in the industry want to work with solutions. I think that's also really, really important. And again, like there are only a couple of solutions that I've seen that are, are this far ahead, to be honest. Digital twins, do you have any idea of, is that something that you want to work with or what, what's your idea of digital twins? Yeah, we have kind of a poor man's approach of digital twins. So we're doing something like a data sibling. So our roadmap, we're working on every data point we have come into our application, we're trying to duplicate, right? To start yeah. statistically yeah. kind of monitoring that. Because yes, I can tell you whether something's high or low or whatever, but it goes back into that trying to chip away at the data integrity piece. Like you mentioned a company, that's exactly what we wanna do. When we have a rule or I have a root cause that shows up on a report, I wanna be emphatic about the system has tried to give you 
the best quality data and decision with what it has. Exactly. And what's crazy is that one, that's not easy, but it's also not something people talk about. I mean, even these BAS, this tech, I love this tech, but whether they talked about data integrity, I turn the thing on and I see that it's on. Okay. And that goes into the flow of the data outside of the building. I love the debate because I love playing both sides on the edge device versus cloud. This has been going on for decades. And I think it's the smart educated decision or, or discussion is what problem are you trying to solve? Because if you're solving autonomous vehicles, it's edge all day without question. I love debating the nuances because I think that there's some things in buildings that you're going to need to know within milliseconds or seconds to make a decision. And again, not boiling the ocean, the analytics and rules and and root cause that we try to to look at is more around the conditioning of the air and the HVAC system. And a lot of times we see that you have to have a day or two days worth of data to really feel that my root cause is real. If I look at a week or a month, statistics from what we've been doing, some of that root cause I showed you in that report, even something simple like that, the statistics of that being correct go through the roof when you get beyond a week, right? Because it just seems to form ability. So even in that command and control, it's like, if I detected something was off, I probably would wait two hours to make sure that that room warmed up to where I think it is, or it's been off enough. And what's funny is when you go into buildings that already exist, I'd love to say that it's these amazing analytics we run that find all these problems. It's literally almost every time that they don't shut things off, right? Or it's really just showing you what the BAS can't tell you. Exactly. It's just providing information to make more data-driven decisions of where to start with whatever it is, right? But the evolution of that is if I can do that and I can do that really well, and I can prove that that data is well, well, now maybe you'll let it Command and control a few things, right? That's exactly what I mean. And I think like going towards that one, uh, like complete digital twin strategy. I mean, that's been my sort of like focus day and night the last couple of years. And I realized that you can't do it with one solution alone. It's impossible. You can maybe do it with 20 solutions. You might need 100 solutions. But I mean, so those are the solutions that I have in my backpack. So like whatever you want to do based on what you said right now, I think I have a lot of different partners that can actually fulfill that need for you that goes in your roadmap and also the overall roadmap of creating better buildings yeah. in an interoperable way, right? Chad and uh, Chris, what problem is it that you still haven't solved? Do you think like the industry needs solved or whatever? What is the biggest problem today? Yeah, so I'll take it actually down from a business point. I'll tell you my biggest problem is educating all end users. Absolutely. Users as in... SIs or end users as in who's the end user? Both SIs and building owners. I mean, one, it's to power the SIs to help tell their business building owner why they should be using tools like this and why they should be investing in their buildings. And then building owners just to understand that they're not making data-driven decisions. And it could be as simple as they replace a chiller because a CFO and a bean counter said, well, it's 2020 and it's on our roadmap. We're supposed to replace the chiller. They asked Johnson, which one do I replace? They said, well, buy the one you had before, zero data into making that decision. So talking about automation, talking about configuration and analytics and machine learning, buildings have such a further way to go of just using data to just make better decisions, right? Um, So I just think that the education of using technology in buildings, it's almost like a crusade, right? And, And guys like you are helping lead that crusade. Okay, great. So educating, so like the end user of why it's necessary to use your solution or whatever solution to make data-driven decisions. Chad, what is your take? What is the biggest problem? 
Yeah, I, I think that's the same thing. It's just making sure that we're specifically talking about the value that using analytics as a tool brings to the end users. You know, analytics is at the abstraction layer now. It's just this word that encompasses so many different things that we're really not talking about specific problems anymore. So we we in our solution and hopefully our industry are just trying to say, what are the problems that are we facing and how can we use data-driven insights to solve them now and into the future. So it's really just capitalizing on what Chris had said. Okay, perfect. Why would owners care? So we're talking technical stuff, we're talking analytics, all these kind of things or set points or whatever, right? Or chillers gonna be replaced, but why would an owner care? When you're talking to building owners who don't care or don't know what's in their building, they know that they're paying a lot. If it's a building owner occupied building, then they care a little more than if they're just a, a, a slumlord that's renting it out for the cheapest price and doesn't care and, and makes their people pay yeah. for it and doesn't care about wasting energy for the environment. But I think yeah. you're seeing that turn. For us, that's why I think that putting a lot of stock in the integrator and the people that do the servicing for the building, I want to build a tool for them that is no different than a screwdriver in their tool belt to make it so that they're almost forcing that building owner through their own service contracts mm -hmm. to have a better building. And then maybe over time, that'll build enough where then the building owners realize like, man, every time this guy uses this tool in my building, these buildings are way more efficient. So I'm doing work in your building. I'm the one controlling and making it efficient or whatever I've sold you. And you're paying me $150,000 a year for this guy to show up twice a month to do work. What is he doing? If this is a tool that they use, you know, Mary won't be cold in the lobby anymore. You start giving it so that now you're, you're actually making the building more efficient like it should be. I don't know. I think that building owners, you got two very diverse groups in there. Of You have building owners that just won't care, never care. What do they care about? Well, they care about money. But it's also responsibility aspects too, environmental factors. I mean, that's definitely something, but that's a different group. I mean, maybe in Europe more, in Australia more, but in the United States, you can lie, but like there is no building owner. Well, let's talk about it. If it's commercial real estate, I don't believe in the United States, any of those guys care about it. Even if they put a sustainability <laughs> up there, why? Like those guys don't care, right? Yet. They won't have to until mandates are, are put in place, right? For no. our states or for their locale. Yes. And the building owner, I think that the easiest, broadest thing you, and I hate getting to it, it's what you end up saying is, you know you're wasting 30%, whatever you're paying. And if your building's big enough, that's a significant amount of money. But you have no way of impacting that. Using these tools and technologies, now you can actually impact it and it becomes a reality of making it better. I really want to hear your point of view because like reducing costs is one thing, right? Making money on buildings, like getting the argument, okay, why these people that they don't care today or they didn't care enough, turning that... Uh, so like you would call it, dial that into 11. I think that's super important. Make it a no-brainer decision. Okay, they're going to invest like everything into this. And they don't care if it's resolute building intelligence, whatever it is. They're just going to attack it. That's not where it is today, right? If you go to new construction, it's a little bit different because the margins are not really there. They're actually having more of a must-have in building smart from the start that real estate owners have because real estate owners can just wait 20 years or whatever yeah. they're doing and then they're going to see a return anyway. Creating that right. must-have in the industry in order to make these decisions from a high level I think is super important. And I didn't really get that answer from you, but let's uh, keep on in the next podcast. Super cool, guys. I really appreciate Thank it. You. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity, Nicholas. We do appreciate it. Perfect. Let's till next time for sure. We'll see you. Absolutely. Absolutely.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Beyond Buildings podcast. And also a big thank you to our sponsor, Platform of Trust. For those of you who want to collect, harmonize and trust data from anywhere in the world and make sense of it in a much, much faster way than ever before. Thank you.